0: No, don't fix it. I insist you better not. You better not fix it.
1: I have a dream. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. If I were like Donald Trump's lawyer right now, I would be advising my client to be telling my family,
2: I am looking at jail time.
1: I've said it before and I'll say it again, democracy simply doesn't work. Mr.
2: Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. It's the
3: Ricochet Podcast with Peter Robinson and Rob Long. Yeah, Rob is back. I'm James Lilacs, and today we all talk to Eli Lake about Mar-a-Lago and blue and on. So let's have ourselves a podcast. I can hear you! <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Ricochet Podcast, episode number 606. How do we get to 607? Well, you can help us by joining at ricochet.com. You can be part of the most stimulating conversations and community on the web. And how did Ricochet get to be in the first place? Because of the founders, Peter Robinson in California and Rob Long, who's back with us. He was recently in Marseille, I think, wearing a striped shirt and hanging around the docks learning the latest <laughs> ap- Apache dance moves. But he's How's back with the accordion us? coming along?
0: Uh, well, you know, that's more Paris, but I, I, I accept your, uh, I accept, as they say, as with the, the Woody Allen movie, I accept your condemnation. Um, <laughs> uh, so it was great. I got to say, it was really was a great trip. It was uh, kind of crazy. I had a lot of ups and a lot of uh, firsts for me, and, um, including um, a fantastic ferry ride across the, uh, the Tunisia, from, across the Mediterranean, from Tunisia to Marseille, and uh, um, uh, kind of a coffee, coffee hour with uh, Victor Orban. So, you know, had a little high and low.
3: Well, really, we should start there because who wants to rehash some of the depressing stuff that's happened this last week? You had coffee with Viktor Orban.
0: Yeah, so we were um, we were in um, was in Hungary for a, a arts conference of all things, or arts festival that uh, put on by the university there, which is called MCC Magnus Corvallis Collegium, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, Basically, it's the Hungarian Hillsdale. Um, uh, although, uh, like Hillsdale, uh, it's filled with very smart young people who are super, super sophisticated and very, you know, kind of in the world. And then while we were there, the, we got a call, say, hey, do you guys want to have a cup of coffee with the uh, the prime minister before he goes to CPAC, I guess. that's right. that's and right. That's right. And so, you know, like, j- just to, to paint a picture of the guy, uh, he's funny and kind of avuncular and we kind of walk into the prime minister's or the other yeah, prime minister's office and there's zero protocol. There's zero really pomp and circumstance of any kind. He's there. We have a cup of coffee. You need some little pastries. And you speak he in just English us, with him. Yeah, he speaks great English. Tells good jokes in English. Tour mm-hmm. um, toured on about of Europe and of the war in Ukraine, which was interesting, especially from his perspective. Which was he ably well, which was you know, um, it wasn't really more about Ukraine than it was about his weirdly vulnerable position where he is in Hungary. He kept reminding us it's a, t- a country of ten million people that's only really just now experiencing any kind of independence of any kind. Um, so they kind of want to have their have their Hungarian moment, which they are sort of richly deserve after all these years. So uh and then he defended himself. He you know he started off. He'd just given a speech in um in Romania. Yes, yes, in which was very controversial, which he said uh, what he described as a very stupid thing. And he said it wrong and he didn't say what he meant, and it sounded dumb and he wish he hadn't said it, but you know, and he, he said, Look, I said it.
2: And he said yeah. that to you. He
0: said, I yeah, said he it said wrong. That. I wish I
2: hadn't said I it. I said
0: it wrong. All he right. said, I got to pay the price, but that's, you know, that's the, that's yeah, so I got to. Um, you know, he's, his argument but, but, about culture to us, that language to us has different, uh, has just different meanings and different um triggers what did he say uh, to him well what he said what what he said was that he didn't think the hungary should be a big mixed up culture um and he and he and it sounded like he was talking about race um but he was really just talking about culture and he made a very interesting distinction he said that um you know um european jews especially in places like france will will realize they'll be happier and safer probably in hungary they will be in France, which is a provocative thing to say, but I don't think he's totally wrong. So that was how to, how he answered the the anti-Semitism um charge. I mean he's getting charged with everything. You know, he's right, he's uh, right, prior. right. Right, The only thing I and I, I found it absolutely charming and and, and not a hundred percent convincing, but certainly convincing from his perspective, from the perspective of a guy in Hungary just trying to make it work. Um so uh, it was fascinating. and I, But I thought, the, the, I was just going to say, the, the the his mannerisms and the way he handles it was, to me, the most interesting. He starts off by saying he did a dumb thing, and now he's got to pay the price, and that's that. There's no whining or complaining, no blame shifting. It was nobody's fault but his own. Uh, and then the way he runs the meeting, there are a couple of Hungarians there who were really ostentatiously not terrified to be in the room with him so there was a lot of pushback from them there's like interrupted him every now and then he looked at them like that did i say that wrong there was a lot of collegiality um which is impossible to fake especially if that's you were true. the strongman dictator um you know that's gonna be hard to fake and um so i found him impressive uh, peter I, I think i said to you in text i found him um he reminded me a lot of rupert murdoch obviously a lot's going on busy day busy set of uh things he's got to do every day but super relaxed and willing to speak in a broad kind of uh wide angle lens philosophically about the world in in large and small and um inspires zero deference right that's the, from his that's the, underlings that's which is telling. so crucial yeah right. very very talent right. great talent
3: right okay here's the quote and I want to tell me. Tell, here's what is being reported: Radio Free Liberty. Speaking at an event in Central Romania in front of a thousand-strong audience, Orban said, "Quote: We move, we work elsewhere, we mix within Europe, but we don't want to be a mixed race." End quote. A quote: "Multi-ethnic." End quote. People who would mix with quote non-Europeans." End quote. So this was taken to be anti-Semitic. It seems to me that it's 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 that it's obviously. Uh, directed at immigrants from elsewhere, from Africa, from from, from, from yeah. the Middle East, yeah. and what he's saying is that he wants Hungary to be culturally uh, intact, to not change itself in order to adapt to you know to different cultures coming into it. So that's no surprise. Right. Well, it goes against the whole European identity that there is actually no national identity no at identity. all. There is a European right. identity based on ideas and anybody can apply to it, uh, which works for a little while until it starts to get cold and the money's tight and then it doesn't work at all. Yeah, uh, right. This is, this is right, no surprise. So basically, the problem with Orban is that he doesn't believe that all societies in Europe should atomize themselves and should balkanize themselves and change into a a, a, a mixed bowl, a
0: salad bowl, as they will. So, right. Yeah, well, I mean, his point is that, like, it's one thing to say that if you're a country of 350 million Americans, or even if you're France. I mean, although I think the French are probably more generally on Orban's side than they are on, uh, you know, the side of the Brussels bureaucrats, right? Um, but I think his larger point is, look, we, you know, we, we have this bizarre weirdo language. Hungarian resembles no other language. He says, look, when I go to these EU meetings, he said I can't, I don't talk, my, I don't speak Hungarian to anybody, whereas the, all the other countries have at least one other person they can talk to. I'm all alone in my hungarian They are proud of their ethnicity. They're proud of their um they are kind of a cultural mixing melting pot if you if you add in Hungarians and Slavs and place mm-hmm. um, people like that. Uh, but he, you know this is their shot. They were uh, vassals of the Ottoman Sultan, they were vassals of an emperor to the east, to the west, they were vassals of a dictator in Moscow. Um, they had a brief period for 10, 15, 20 years of a wobbly dictatorship slash democracy before Hitler invaded when they were vassals of a dictator to the in Berlin. They, you know, they want to be Hungarians for a little bit. And the mm. funny thing is, he said, he said two things I thought were very really fascinating. One is he cut kind of the shrugging bears, remind me of a very Hungarian way to look at life, which is like, hey, you know, we're going to try this for now, I'm sure that when I'm gone, you know, we'll end up looking less like right. But his goal is to like show Hungarians what it's like to be hungry, to be specifically hungry, which is something that American ethnicities do understand it's not we, we hear it all the time you hear it from italians and jews and, and blacks who want to like you know anyway I and mean, the second thing he said was, I thought was really fascinating um uh, uh at least at least to me was the idea that a christian democracy is the safest best place for people to live who are different so his point was that european jews are much much safer in a christian a true christian democracy which is what he's building and then i'd say the third thing he's doing is he's saying that there's no way he can pass laws to protect this all he can do is try to build up institutions and mm-hmm. so um and i was there as a guest of a university that he has helped build and helped start because he's trying to build institutions rebuild institutions because of course in hungary the way the united states the institutions are basically all left-wing um and I found that to be, like, that would be a, rather than um, focusing on some of those other th- other uh, positions, I think that is the lesson that American conservatives should take from Orban, which is... Yeah.
2: Here's the, here, to me, this is the problem that they all face. And Orban is the only one who shows any cognizance of the problem. And here it is. The population of Africa is projected to grow by 1 billion over the next 30 right. years. And the population of europe i've just got this in front of me now the population of europe including the uk is projected to drop by about one or two percent and um within the next 30 years and to continue dropping after that so what you've got is 30 years from now there are going to be a lot of empty villages in france and enormous pressure from the just across the mediterranean so what do you do um If you let in a billion people and your population is 500 million, you're no longer what you were. On the other hand, you want to be humane and encouraging and demo. This, this is hard. And it strikes me that he's laying down. He's the only one who's thinking about it seriously. And of course, he's getting. Why is it hard? Beat up. Mm-hmm. I mean, in America, why is it hard? In America, we have
3: a civic identity. We have a set of beliefs to which anybody can subscribe. And we welcome everybody who wants to participate in those things. It's not based on. Eth- we n- used to. to. You're, you're well, still okay, talking in okay. the present tense? I am still talking about the America in my head. Anyways, yes. <laughs> I mean, five. Okay. Fundamentally. I want to live in your head too, James. The basic idea is is that this is not based on soil and blood and the rest of it. This is a set of ideas that extend to all humanity. Come here, enjoy them. Um, And so that's why you can come here from anywhere in the world and be an American as much as anybody else. And we love the people who come here from anybody and be an American like us. right, But that model does not necessarily apply or have to apply to states that have a very tight ethnic
2: uh, identity.
3: And it is not. And a language
2: a, it, that nobody wants to learn. Well, it, yeah, let's, I mean, let's say it's even yeah. French.
3: Let's say it's French or it's Czech or it's or it's whatever the, it is. When you have a state, a state that goes back a thousand right. years, one way or the other, identify, right. that is bound yes. by language, by culture, by folkways, by music, by a whole bunch of things, the idea that that state is somehow obligated to dissolve itself for altruistic humanistic reasons seems Correct. to me to yes. be asking of them something that is asked of absolutely nobody else in the world i'm willing to accept that the whole colonial endeavor of the 19th century was appalling and it was asked the belgians asked congo it was a it was a horrible genocidal event But the the obverse then can't be true. You cannot say then that if we had, if we being the West had the right to go there and impose our culture on them for the purposes of whatever, extraction, enjoyment, whatever, that somehow then, 100, 150 years later, that it should work the other way, and now Hmm. it's
0: morally pure and good, because Why? No, I I, I I get your point. I mean, look, I think you, you, you his point. His he would agree with you, and his point is that well, it's one thing with a country with ten million, and it's another thing with a country of three hundred fifty million, which is the United States. And then somebody said a very interesting thing. Said, so, well, what's the difference? And, and this shows Orbán really does read widely. He's a former intellectual yes, yes, and, and okay. a former professor, and he's very smart. Um, and he reads very widely. And he read and he says, well, because you you guys are lucky, you have the Mexicans. And what he meant was Mexicans come to the United States, and they're basically christian they're basically aligned with the judeo-christian ethic they're basically excited to be in the united states of america and work hard and they den- tend to work hard they tend to do a lot of jobs that you know i think americans would do but it isn't like they come in to sleep in the bus station you know they come they work um and i just thought that was a very astute position for a guy who's supposed to be this troglodyte and this racist and this white supremacist to make um well the mexicans yes but also the nigerians yeah. yeah i don't know if they're christian or they're muslim they're, or whatever
3: but uh, they come christian. i mean again again, it's self select self select probably but it's a self selecting group and yes but they do extremely and the Asians the Asians aren't coming because they're christian yeah. coming because they, so I, I i mean i see his point but you can extend it to various i mean we're lucky not because we have the mexicans we're lucky because we have a culture and an idea and an ethos that allows people to thrive yeah, if they we're want a different to. country and,
0: we're a different country and, and yeah that's I mean, uh, the dna of the united states is you come here you come to this country and you build a life that's d- deeply embedded in our dna there's no way around it um his point is um hungary's different that's not what he's and facing. it's not what he's facing And oh, right. his job is to help hungarians be hungarians for just for a little bit like he gets like just you know can just give us like a 50 years two decades yeah, please. before we have years, to do all right. the other things and his point is that actually in two decades a lot of those countries in europe will realize that maybe the better thing to do is to figure out a way for the places that are um exploding in population to um do for themselves, right? Like, um, maybe better idea is to have the economy of Africa grow as a continent. Um, Correct. That may be the solution. Anyway,
3: well, fascinating. I, I mean, fascinating we fascinating cup it. of coffee we,
2: with uh, victor Orban.
3: Much more interesting than talking about Liz Cheney and the rest of it. Uh, you know, somewhere just, in Hungary right saying. now,
2: victor Orban is recording a podcast saying, "You know, I had a fascinating cup of coffee with this man called." I, well,
0: are there are other people that I have to say, and I, as usual, I had to ask, um, a, a I had to ask an off the wall question, which I think he enjoyed, which was I said, You know, we're all going conservatives in the United States. Every now and then we're at a dinner party or something or an event. And um, we're talking to a liberal, and they'll sidle up and they'll say, after maybe a glass of wine or two, You know, I agree with you guys a lot. Like, I think you guys are right about this or that or the other, right? We've all had experience. I said, Does that that ever happen to you in these EU meetings or in Brussels or somewhere where some, you know, classic, you know, Northern European, as he calls the post-West leader, will come up to you and say, well, I agree with you, deep down. And he laughed. He said, no, <laughs> never, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Well, that, no matter what happens then,
3: probably, when uh, this post hits ricochet and people start commenting on it, that... The thread will be epic. Speaking of epic threads. Ah. Nice. Yeah, speaking of threads, well, there's different definitions of the word. And of course, one of them are the threads that make up your sheets. Thread count. You've been probably talking about that to impress people. Oh, they're 900-count threads. Listen, thread count, it's a myth. It's a. Ma- it doesn't matter how many threads your sheets have if they're not the best threads possible. Bowl & Branch uses the best 100% cotton organic threads on Earth for a superior softness and a better night's sleep. Their sheets aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly soft to start with. They get softer with every wash. Now, I come to you like I came to you last week, saying, It's true, my sheets this week are softer than they were the last and will continue to be so as long as we're talking about and Branch and as long as I'm sleeping on them and washing them. Soft as silk, but they wear like iron. Signature hemmed sheets from and Branch are a bestseller for a very good reason because you'll immediately feel the difference. From there, however, the sheets get softer and softer with every wash because they're made with threads so luxurious. They're beloved by. Three, one, two, three U.S. presidents. And if the presidents can't convince you, check out the reviews on the web. 10,000 stellar reviews. Plus, Bolin Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. And I always thought, why would-? let people sleep on your sheets for 30 days and then take them back? Well, I think it's because they know you're not going to send them back. After one night, you're going to say, these are my sheets for life. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ricochet at BolandBranch.com. That's b o l l a n d b r a n c h dot com. Promo code ricochet. And we thank Boland Branch for sponsoring this, the Ricochet podcast. And now we welcome to the podcast Eli Lake, contributing editor for Commentary, host of the Re-Education Podcast, where he discusses what they'll be doing in Taiwan after China takes over. Not I'm kidding. Written for Bloomberg, Daily Beast, many, many, many others. He's been podcasting and tweeting about the DOJ and Mar-a-Lago. And since, uh, well, since we podcast ourselves once in a while, we wanted to see if he'd like to podcast with us mutually.
1: Welcome, Eli. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks so much for having me. I love the podcast.
3: You got a tweet. Let's talk about this recently. Sure. Um, you, 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 you tw- tweeted, one way the Mar-a-Lago raid is so harmful to our republic is that it gives false hope to the Blue Anon crowd. These poor souls need to be treated like alcoholics and encouraged to confront their addiction to innuendo and conspiracy theories. That's interesting. Um, but yet they, they've taken this pure hit right to the veins and uh, seem
1: still to be on quite the high about it. Well, the first response when the story broke and we were told it was about a dispute with the National Archive over presidential records. It was oh yeah. Uh <laughs> I hope they better, they better have something. You know, this is a really this is a real mm-hmm. escalation. And so there was this window of less than 12 hours where you saw a lot of sort of mainstream comment commentators and others uh, a little queasy about what had happened because it was not we the leak was not this is related to January 6th or something that you could sort of imagine like, all right, well, this is serious. Um, and then everybody sort of fell behind this narrative that, uh, you know, no one's above the law. And then there was wild speculation that maybe Trump was selling nuclear secrets to foreign adversaries. And then, you know, then we found out that it didn't have to be even classified. And then, then the spin was, you know, Barbara McQuaid was saying, I mean, she's a former prosecutor goes on MSNBC all the time. Um, how brilliant it was that they didn't require picking up classified information and they can get them on something else. And it sort of looks like any charge will do. And it's really about, you know, feeding a storyline. It's like the latest episode of the walls are closing in. And I cannot imagine that Merrick Garland, the attorney general will be so reckless as to indict a former president on a charge that has to do with mishandling classified information, even though this falls under something called the Espionage Act, which sounds really, really bad. It's a it's a very it's a troubling law, in my view. And it goes back to World War One and the Wilson administration. And, and it is you is it's never been enforced consistently. And if you look at other senior officials, as opposed to sort of regular folks, you don't people like David Petraeus or even Hillary Clinton or Sandy Berger. There's nothing comparable there that would suggest there would be serious criminal liability for Trump for improperly storing classified information. It's unclear whether Trump had the power to declassify it. There's all these questions. There's so much we don't know um, that that's where that tweet was coming from.
2: At this point, you're talking about this with your colleagues at commentary. You're thinking about it. You're tweeting about it. You being you, you're reading everything about it that you can read can you construct a scenario under which merrick garland acted dispassionately reasonably in the wider national interest and apolitically is that an option can 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 is it possible to put such a construction on the facts as we know them or is this do we just have to conclude that, although there are many details to come, this is one example? In one way or another, this is political.
1: Okay, so yes, I can. If I really, if I'm being honest, I could imagine that there was a um, confidential informant inside the Trump organization in at Mar a Lago who um, noticed a delegation of uh, you know uh, Chinese officials. We're given a tour, I guess, of, you know, this is where my personal safe is. And oh, my God, what is that document over there? I'm sorry. Maybe you're supposed to see it. Who cares? I don't know. Yes, I suppose you can. If you really want to think about it, you could see a scenario in which there was sort of breaking information that the FBI had in their investigation that required this to, you know, that there be a raid right away so they could preserve evidence. On the other hand, if it's true that he deliberated on this for weeks Right. And they knew that there was this dispute with the National Archive and that some of this might have been classified. We knew this since January when they returned the first batch and it wasn't all the documents. Some of them might have been classified and very classified very highly. Well then what why does it why did you wait eight months right. and then suddenly you had it to do it up. this way if it was such a pressing concern that the documents were gonna fall into the wrong hands? there is a theory from andy mccarthy who i read uh, everything he writes the former u.s attorney who writes at national review who says this is a fishing expedition for january 6 related stuff right and he felt after looking at the warrant, it was so broad that it confirmed his view but that is that's that's i think informed speculation but it's speculation um but at this point we don't know and yet Half of the political discourse is convinced that this is the time they're really going to get <laughs> for up. the ninety thom- okay. okay. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just yeah, so I mean, listen. Yeah. There's a guy named uh, Lawrence Tribe, who was a professor at Harvard and actually was the professor of Merrick Garland and Adam Schiff, and you know was very highly esteemed in the legal community. And he was just on MSNBC saying, "I think this is a slam dunk case for Merrick Garland based on what I'm seeing." And I'm like, "How many times has this guy said this before?" and so this is and it's equal it's 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 a particular problem in the following sense because it's one thing you know the the right has its 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 wackadoodles as well but like no. it's marjorie taylor green who's a former aerobics instructor it's not people who it's are, not last tribe a long time and exactly, revered member okay. of the harvard on, on, on short
0: list for the supreme right. court pretty much every time as a democrat in the white house right
1: Yes exactly. yes. exactly. So that—that's my point. Is that you have on the it's it, it's there's an interesting disparity on this, which is that you have our oh, wackadoodles
2: <laughs> or wackadoodles There's are revered <laughs> figures. Yeah.
1: Well, that's right. Or what? has what was been revealed in the Trump years is that people at the highest levels of our, of uh, of the legal profession and uh, law enforcement, the all these former FBI people. I mean, just saw Peter Struck on Morning Joe who we sort of expect to be these, you know, non-political, very professional, you know, sober minded and everything like that have revealed themselves to have a kind of almost a sickness when it comes to Trump, an addiction to this spy thriller right. narrative. And it's scary to think that these people are, you know, teaching the next generation of Justice Department lawyers at Ivy Can League I ask you, what, what, what
0: is most scary about it? Because I, I sort of Part of me has this sort of this keystone cops kind of, i roll rolled my eyes because they've been saying this for, you know, five years, six years now, about they're going to they're frog march him out of the White House every, every month, practically. Sure. Um, so part of me thinks it's kind of a uh, clown car show. But there's another part of me that seems that they continually do this, this thing, which is the most dangerous thing it seems to me to be doing, and certainly in the realm of, sort of justice and democracy, saying, well, look, he's awful. We got to get him out of there somehow, and that seems to have that that philosophy seems down to, to be an unembarrassed motivation. That's the kind of thing you keep keep to yourself in the, in the past, but it does seem to be. You know, that's what the left is saying. That's what the Merrick Garland on the Department of Justice is probably saying, which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe this is maybe this is this is these are flimsy. You know, this is a, we're really just going to go in there and try to you know, on a fishing expedition, but we have to because he's just Trump is just awful, which. Um, I mean, I agree with the second part, but he, you know, he, we live in democracy. You get to vote for him if you want.
1: Well, I, well, I think there's two reasons why it's it's dangerous. The first reason is that uh, these are important institutions that I do not want. I'm not a radical. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not like a, an, a, an American Bolshevik or something. I I don't want these institutions to topple. And when you have enough of this, um, not just hyperbole, but once once you when you have enough of this sort of like expectation that the big thing is coming and that then it, it, it discredits these institutions. So it feeds the other side that doesn't believe in the institutions and it, and it, and it further squanders whatever public trust is left for half of America when it comes to the FBI or the justice department. And it's really important that strong majorities of Americans believe that these institutions are on the level, which is something that is harder and harder to do. So what, so that's one thing that happens when you just have this, like all these constant like former senior officials and others saying these things and behaving in this way. But the other thing that it does is it it's like, I look at it like this, the country is do you remember uh, joke shops used to have something that was, uh, that were called, I guess, Chinese finger cups. Right. Do you remember right. these were bamboo. So, right, exactly. So the way to get out of that is actually, you have to be very careful and like kind of wiggle around, but no sudden movements. If you pull really fast, then what you've done is you, you've you've only yeah. tightened the grip. So that's the equivalent of raiding Mar a Lago on a presidential records dispute. It's you're tightening the you're tightening the connection yeah. between Trump and his base, and you're making it harder for the Republicans to nominate somebody else besides Trump. And you're just basically you know you're reinforcing the dynamic where both sides kind of prepare for this break. Uh, I'm not saying it's a civil war. I think that's a little bit overheated, but still. So those are the two things, is that you discredit the institutions that need to be respected and have the public trust of everybody, and you also um, are going to guarantee a kind of intense counter-response from the other side that's going to further break us apart.
2: (coughs) Eli, talking about institutions and the people who run them, two days ago, someone called Edward Luce put up this tweet. I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career, have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. And that tweet got retweeted by General Michael Hayden. Right. And General Michael Hayden put on top of his tweet, I agree,
1: and I was the CIA director what do you make of that well okay i should say i know both of those people and i think they've had better moments off of social media let's just put <laughs> it. Out. but very nice it's it's that's it's an insane that's an insane thing to say i mean we i, I don't know i mean like i've on, on I've both also, of their parts but general yeah hayden, it's like like general hayden like you're the cia director during the 9 11 wars so you would have been aware of ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Like, I mean, are you serious? We don't have an American Basiji like they have in Iran, like a kind of paramilitary force that will make sure people vote the right way and, you know, who gets benefits from the state and everything. Anyway, I don't even want to get into it. It's a it's kind of a nutty. It's a nutty thing. I mean, listen, it doesn't excuse. The, I think you're going easy on me. I, I, I didn't
2: realize you were friends, but
1: no, no, all very.
2: Right. I, Con, speaking of contemptible, that kind of activity to a man who held that office. Yeah. 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. He's saying essentially that half of the electorate of the United States of America is contemptible? How And, dare and, like, he? and
1: worse than, I don't know, uh, worse than, than Al- Al- all the people Al-Qaeda. you just mentioned. Right, At- exactly, worse which than Al Qaeda. Yeah. How
2: dare he? That- but of course, my- listen, I don't consider myself a wackadoodle, although I'm sure my friend Rob does, but I think to myself, wait a minute, I put some, all these years now, I have reposed a certain fundamental trust in the competence and disinterestedness of the people who are running our intelligence right. operations. The FBI has now totally disgraced itself. Christopher Ray may have been appointed by Trump, but he has, he, if he... Maybe he's reforming that institution in some quiet way and doesn't want to get press, but if he doesn't understand the way half the country just thinks the FBI has disgraced itself yeah, and any reform of that institution must be public, or General Hayden and Leon Panetta and the 48 others whose other former ranking intel officers who signed that letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation which they had no reason to suppose at the time, and which we now know is untrue, and not a single... All right, you get the picture. That strikes me as really serious. We have 16 intelligence agencies in this country, and they're all run by fools and partisans? What other
1: conclusion is there to draw? Um, I mean, the Hunter Biden laptop is a disgrace. Listen, it's... I'm not... I mean, I've been banging on about this and i'm holding years, you responsible so I, like. <laughs> I agree with you My, you know i've been i think you're describing a lot of really intelligent people who are on the center right who are not trumpers are still red-pilled when it comes to the fbi in particular and also the broader intelligence community and how can somebody say something like that it seems so extreme um even though i i if you just simply said ah oh, this carrie lake woman in arizona is totally nuts right. what's happened to the party right. of john mccain I I co-sign on that one, but is it the most extremist movement you've ever seen? Give me a break. It's nuts.
3: I hate to interrupt you, but business needs to be done. And so. Join me, Toby Young, and my very
0: good friend, James Dellingpole, on London Calling, with new shows released every Monday. We gripe and moan with impotent rage at the latest assaults on our freedoms across the English speaking world, marvel at the antics of our Oxford contemporary and former spectator boss, Boris Johnson, and keep up a running commentary on the latest effusions of the entertainment industry like a conservative country club version of Statler and Waldorf, except a lot more highbrow, obviously. It's all right here on the Ricochet Audio Network and wherever you download your podcasts. Good idea, and now back to the show. Why are they making it so hard? But first of all, I have to say I agree with Peter on everything, especially the fact that he's a wackadoodle. But why, why are they making it so hard? I mean, I was I was talking to somebody last night, and I was. Uh, one of the arguments they were making about Trump was that he, you know, undermined um, confidence in our basic institutions. Just true, I think about electoral integrity. I mean, I think you know, I'm on, on the record yeah. here. He lost. He lost fair and square. That's all there was to it. But he didn't undermine our confidence in the FBI. And he didn't undermine our confidence after this in the intelligence community. They did that themselves. And I guess my question is, um, why is it why is it seem so difficult for ordinary people to say, look, the FBI became politicized um, and they 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 put the thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton and then they uh, clumsily took it off and, and put it back on again a few weeks before the uh, uh, before the election? Um, the intelligence community covered itself in absolute ignominy, with especially with this uh, Hunter Biden um, uh, um, open letter. Although some might say it happened earlier when they, uh, when they pointed to satellite photographs of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and weren't there. Um, why is it so hard for us to reform what should be sort of easy to reform institutions? I mean, I, it's hard to reform
1: Congress, but it shouldn't be hard to reform the intelligence community. Well, it's hard. it's hard because there's a necessary level of secrecy involved. And it's easy to justify that level of secrecy when the predecessor to the CIA, the OSS, is formed during World War II. The country was behind the war. Everybody understood the, nece- the, the, the need to win the right. war and that the certain secrecy that was needed. And for a long time, we were fighting a Cold War and the CIA was on the front lines of that Cold War. And there was a level of secrecy that was needed. And that began to erode in the 1970s for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them is that we had a very foolish decision by a CIA director to ask CIA station chiefs and senior officials to write down every crime they had committed, which then was soon leaked to Cy Hirsch, known as the family jewels. And then there was Philip Agee who defected and then you know, started outing people. So the, all of the 60s and the 70s, you know, and then we have the church commissions, which is sort of doing it in a more legitimate way, having a historically incredibly weak presidency in Gerald Ford after Watergate uh they're unable to sort of do all of that and so we have this moment um and then we accepted a lot of that kind of that necessary secrets you know for at least the first few years of the war on terror after 9 um but you know eventually in an open society these things out and there were reforms in terms of after iraq in terms of how technically some of these assessments are done um, I don't know if they were necessarily effective, but there were some of these reforms. But we have a love-hate relationship, especially, I mean, with these institutions, because when there's a terrorist attack, the first question is, where was the CIA? Why didn't they know this? Why couldn't they have prevented it? But then when we find out that the CIA is doing some horrible thing that we didn't know about, you know, influencing an election in some country and everything like that, we're like, I can't believe these guys. I'm so embarrassed and everything like that. So is this typical kind of schizophrenic re, you know relationship that we have
3: we 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 don't reform because the left likes what the fbi is doing now i mean the well party too, sure, yeah to- and the left is I'm-
1: gaslighting the left would never i mean i keep i put this on twitter but i've said this to my friends who are more liberal and i said listen what have i told what if let's just imagine the following hypothetical roger stone gives a rumor monger sheet of bs information to the fbi who embraces it and uses it in their in, in their investigation in a no, number of ways, including to get um, an ill-begotten surveillance warrant uh, against a, an aide to Clinton's Hillary Clinton's campaign, but also, you know, to affect an assessment, to strategically leak elements of it, and to sort of keep an investigation which was hitting a dead end into um, Hillary Clinton going. You would be screaming Watergate 2.0. How right. is it possible Correct. that Correct. a total political operative could have, you know, had that much trust from the FBI on a matter that involves the, his political opponent? I mean, it's an incredible kind of thing, but that's what happened in reverse. Hillary Clinton's people, not only with this steel dossier, which we've talked about before, but, you know, we see now from the latest stuff that John Dorham and the special counsel is doing, you know, they, they had a fake white paper about the Alpha Bank Trump Tower connection. Um, it wasn't just that it was it was bad oppo that was leaked to the press. It was bad oppo that was leaked to the FBI, and now we find out that when the line agents at the FBI said this is garbage, what are we doing? Word comes down from Comey and the leadership team, then turn it into a counterintelligence op- investigation and keep it open. That that came out in the trial of um, Michael Sussman, uh, the former Hillary Clinton lawyer, who won on a very narrow things, but all of this information came out in that case. So that to me is a huge scandal that needs that's crying out for reform. And the question is, and I, and I guess I'm, I have mixed feelings about it, is, is do we need a new church committee? Do we need a new yes, soup to nuts reform minded mm-hmm. kind of oversight to just look into all this? Because I think the FBI uh, is in desperate need of reform in order for it to survive and have the public legitimacy, the democratic legitimacy to still be effective.
3: Right. And it's, it has to be done. But all the people, in the, and, and I hope that it will right now, what we see is people who are in favor of the FBI going forever on as it has uh, are pouring tomaine down the well because the minute the Republicans take over again and start to do an investigation, it's not going to be seen as something that's for the better of the country, for the reform of our institutions. It'll be seen as pure political payback and attempt to politicize it in the direction that they want. Um, so that will be that will be
1: hard to sell. I hope this happens yeah but this is like this is the thing i mean listen i i I don't want to beat up necessarily on the mainstream media how is it possible how is it possible that andrew mccabe (laughs) is a paid contributor Mm -hmm. to cnn which is andrew mccabe there andrew mccabe there's an inspector general report about how andrew mccabe lied repeatedly in an internal investigation into a leak actually about hillary clinton it's a long story but you know, this is somebody who is in the center of all of this stuff, and he is a just an analyst now. He's a documented partisan and a documented
2: liar. And, and he's an analyst on for the CNN. Public record. He should Correct. be
1: interviewed as a target, as a subject of a of a news investigation, not as well. What does this mean for Trump? And then when I saw Peter Struck on Morning Joe, you have to see this clip. It's amazing. You know, Joe Scarborough like winds him up and says, hey, sometimes the FBI makes mistakes, but, you know, it's still really important. So should we trust this? And of course, Peter Strzok says, absolutely, we should trust it. And the FBI would never, you know, be partisan. It's just not who we are. I'm like, are you giving he's the most partisan guy in the world? Come on.
2: Now that we've worked ourselves up into unanimous indignation, here's a new question. Mm. Up until two weeks ago or 10 days ago, the polls indicated that the country was just moving powerfully against the democrats just and of course this fits is totally consonant at least with my reading of the political situation joe biden is demented we have inflation we have weakness just a catastrophe of course the country is moving to the opposition i don't know whether the two events are connected but i'm asking you there's a raid on trump my thought is that's going to cause people to rally behind trump that to me that's distressing in itself but i'm wrong all the polling this week shows not only that certain individual republican senate candidates are doing badly you could argue that Mehmet oz was the not is not a strong candidate in and of himself it's still surprising that he's trailing by double digits but on the generic poll for the first time in weeks and weeks and weeks whom would you rather elect to congress not asking about specific candidates, but would you rather vote for a Republican or a Democrat? For the first time in weeks, the Democrats have moved into the lead.
1: What's going on? I don't know if it's necessarily connected to the Mar-a-Lago stuff, because I think the Mar-a-Lago stuff will turn up. I think it might be related. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't want to... It's pure speculation on my part, but... Um... Eli,
2: Eli, all our podcasts would
1: be much briefer.
2: Much briefer, <laughs> yeah. if right...
1: But here's here's a theory I have potentially that might explain the raid, which is that um, Merrick Garland, his community is people like Andrew Weissman, who was the deputy uh, deputy to Mueller and all these former prosecutors who go on MSNBC and write op eds for The New York Times who have been saying, when are you going to take this investigation into Trump in January 6th very seriously? And I'm very concerned that they might not be doing anything. Even Lawrence Tribe, the former professor of Merrick Garland, has been saying that publicly or wrote something to that effect. And so having an unrelated, you know, high profile raid like this is a way to convince the blue and on faction of the Democratic Party that I'm taking it seriously. We're doing real stuff. And that's similar to the right. to the sort of role that like, you know, the dramatic um and probably over an over the top, you know, raids and arrests of like Roger Stone or Paul Manafort had, which was a way of sort of signaling, you know, we're taking this really seriously. We're we're using all of our resources to get to the bottom of this. When what we learned at the time is that when those raids were conducted, the Mueller team knew they did not have the goods on the actual conspiracy between Trump right. and Russia, so this is like maybe a way of staving off the, uh, you know, the 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 most excitable uh partisans and that's also think about it like this merrick garland that's his community his community are all these like former senior justice officials and people like that so there is an element there i don't i don't want to put so much into-
2: merrick yeah. garland when he showers in the morning is thinking to himself <laughs> don't those republicans understand i staged this raid to hold the country together
1: no i don't know i mean listen i, I don't want to read his mind but i would just say this as a counter example henry right. kissinger had it, famously was denounced by all of the harvard ir professor like the faculty of their ir school if you remember do you remember this when he was the secretary of state keep going yeah. i mean he's yeah.
2: been denounced so many times okay right but i'm saying it people. was like
1: he was you guys he's nixon secretary of state right and i think like a year or so into it like all the harvard professors who also did international relations were like Henry Kissinger is the worst. He's terrible. We hate him. And it was like an open letter and it was kind of a big thing.
2: This is why Henry Kissinger's papers are at Yale, by the way. (laughs) And and, and I'm not kidding. Right. Right.
1: Right. Right. And so Kissinger, you know, it's very rare that you get a public figure like this. Reagan was like this, too. It's just like, okay, you know, love your passion. Thank you very much. And didn't care uh and that is rare though because people really do care when especially it's their you know tight-knit community that is denouncing them so like i don't really care when a rando on twitter says you know you're a bald egg and we hate you (laughs) but when i if i was to be like named in a you know column i don't know in the new york times or somebody who i respected it would be it would be more it would be it would cause me to think about it more and i think that's just a natural human thing so, right. w- there's all this criticism of Merrick Garland, and I'm just saying that may have influenced the fact that he wanted to show that he was taking it seriously because it's possible that we will find out that, as bad as Trump was, and we all denounced how he would not accept the results of the election and he ginned up the crowd of January sixth and all of this stuff, the proper venue for that was an impeachment, which I supported the second one. but it may right. there's not really a criminal prosecutable case against him in that and then in- as much as you know the january 6th committee and all these other people would like to say that there is so if mark ellen kind of understands that then he wants to sort of show hey it's not like i'm, I'm i want to give you your money's worth we're doing a real investigation here
3: eli thanks a lot and uh, we look to forward to having you back yeah we've got uh, oh, about okay, ukraine
1: be because we got we got more oh stuff also also right. i just mm-hmm. want to say martini shot it's great oh aren't you kind thank you so much oh eli eli we have Eli, this guy I'm
0: sorry. back. A, i, I just, It like requires the cut of your a unanimous <laughs> vote. It requires
2: a unanimous vote but to wait. have a guest return. And
0: but to to, to log roll back in your direction, um, we should remind everybody that Eli has uh, a new podcast called The Reeducation with Eli Lake. And we are yeah, we, there's a recent episode. We will distribute it yeah, on the so. Ricochet ne- ne- Ricochet Network. And if uh, until we do, uh, we'll let you know where to find it.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if you, if you, there's a really good recent episode on punk rock and uh, the concept of creative destruction, Joseph. Oh, Schumacher. that's interesting. And I'm, yeah, I'm keen. To, I was just right. It's a about really the good film. episode and there's a lot. We, we, I cover the gamut from culture to politics. I should probably have all three of you on at some point. As guests, uh, I would so. love to
3: talk about why punk didn't take root in the United States and why it, it transformed into something that was actually more positive and more energetic and more hopeful than the actual dead
2: end of, of, of <laughs> punk itself. Eli, before he, I'm sorry, I just want to jam in this one last. Oh, you want to contribute? to the Brock conversation, Peter. Was that yeah, exactly? You want to add your exactly, I know you're course. a rock and
0: roll historian.
2: You you just mentioned the January 6th committee, Liz Cheney, yeah. the New York Times. She's a heroine. She's a martyr. Frank Bruni wrote a piece yesterday that was headlined in all the ways that matters. She won. Actually, I can think of one way that matters in which she lost, uh, counting votes. But so the the notion is she was heroic in standing up for due process and the constitution versus wait a minute wait a minute due process and the constitution also involve representation permitting uh, opposing counsel to cross-examine witnesses all the ways that congressional committees have always operated and why we look back on peter rodino who conducted? Who was chairman of the House Committee that investigated Richard Nixon? And say he did it fairly and dispassionately, and built the case so that when Nixon resigned, it wasn't the wrench to the country. It didn't rip the country apart. Hmm. So, oh, I was just
1: asking. What the w- Liz Cheney? Well, I've known Liz Cheney for a long time as you well. You know and everybody. This is I'm the sorry, problem. Not, like, no, I can not want to, say to say really that. listen. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted in the following sense because i do think that she's right on this one question of the election and we know this like in detail that almost all of her colleagues agreed with her that it was atrocious what trump did uh after he lost on the other hand it shouldn't be the only thing that republicans talk about uh when you have democratic control of washington especially since i mean it's, it's so so it's a it's not my it's not I don't even want to say it's a criticism because i am largely on Liz Cheney's side but no one should have been surprised that she lost. Um, you know, it's there's there's a gazillion things about the Biden the Biden administration and democratic control and the party itself which has you know, I think in some ways if you if you go back Biden said early in his presidency when he was asked about something he doesn't know if there will be a Republican party in 4 years which is an it reveals a real contempt of the idea that we would have two parties that would kind of work together on certain things, which is in many ways one of the reasons he was elected. And so I can understand why some voters would say, you are participating in this sort of cancellation of one of our two major parties, Liz Cheney. But at the same time, I I said, I agree with her about January. I agree with her about the election and how terrible it was. And it would be nice if there were more Republicans who would stand up, but you can't do it when you are... Um, kind of participating in a committee that pretends that Adam Schiff is an honest broker. So, right. I mean... Right, I, right. Yeah, right. right. So, like, or or, okay. yeah, yeah, or doesn't have any real cross-examination. And you're saying, oh, we'll take our word for it, We're, you know, just all you need to know is this one and a half minute clip from this video. Well, I'd like to see the whole deposition. Can you make it right. all clear? You know, I say that as a journalist. So, in that respect, but, you know, I don't want to, like, I, I don't know, the, the, the criticism that she... The stuff from from elements of MAGA world about Liz Cheney, the obsession with her, it's so over the top. I she voted with him ninety
0: four six percent of the time. Like, I mean, she was exactly. a like, incredibly loyal. Vote. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. Wait.
2: Hold, hold on. The January sixth committee forbade the people under examination from from being represented by lawyers. Yeah. from being given a chance to cross examine. Isn't that just a fundamental fundamental overturning of an absolutely basic norm? And it didn't is. she champion that? She participated. To me...
1: She let it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, what's weird about this podcast is we can't get Rob to take a shot at Victor Orban because he's such a nice guy. They're personal it's friends funny. now. And I've got Eli. I say, Eli, Michael Hayden. And likes. well, you know... I know, yeah. He's, no, I'm, I'm, well, you know, I
1: agree with you that that was an atrocious <laughs> comment from Hayden. I just don't want to, like, you know, we should not yeah. all be defined by our worst tweets. Believe me, I've had some bad ones, so... Well, I don't know anybody. I'm here in an irrelevant part of the country, so I can say <laughs> what I say. <said. laughs>
3: Uh, Eli, again, thanks. Uh, Thank you. I say that that fairly confident that Rob's not going to come in with another. No, but I I, I could just
0: come in with a plug. Just a plug. Plug For for Eli's new podcast, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes.
1: Who's being reeducated, by the way? You or the audience or both? Okay. This is, uh, I should say, my wife came up with the name when I was doing, you know, many months ago when I was thinking about how to do it. And I know I'm aware of the. the uh, sorted history of it and i had a funny response to it saying oh you know when i just started reading and becoming you know interested in ideas i read a lot of mao say tung and pol pot <laughs> anyway as a joke that's did you not know really... them
2: too by the way were those buddies were were those buddies yeah, <laughs> exactly no, really good, good stories.
1: really generous he's not like <laughs> all, Makes a, you know, all of the, a club all sandwich, these history sandwich books, you know? <laughs> but no the real is is that i was i would hope that uh, you know both people on the center right and people on the center left could listen to the podcast it could be like a safe harbor where they hey we're we're getting out of you know we're kind of get a chance to breathe and uh rethink about rethink certain issues without uh you know feeling like we're constantly being cowed by uh the you know authoritarian zealots in our midst so but well i can't wait to listen so we'll talk i think it's a good i hope it's. it sounds exciting
3: i'm in thank you bye-bye I am looking forward to the one that has to do with punk rock because I remember reading my Cream magazine in nineteen seventy six about these strange creatures prowling the streets of London with their spiky hair held in place by glue, super glue. And we always thought that must be uncomfortable to sleep with. And we always thought I one kind of what kind of music they make. Well, for the most part, it was it was drac. it was it was awful. and it didn't take root here in America because it was destructive and nihilistic and was coming out of a welfare society that we really didn't share. Uh, but I did go out and buy the first Sex Pistols album. Never mind the bollocks. I bought it at Positively 4th Street, took it home, and uh, was was underwhelmed completely. Couldn't imagine why they'd caused the stink that they had. Of course, it was because they weren't very good at their instruments, because they had so much raw energy, and because of a frankly, darkly charismatic frontman named Johnny Rotten. (laughs) Strange thing is, we thought that had to do with his morality and his character. No, they called him that because of his teeth. If only he'd had a quip. If only Johnny Rotten wow. at some point Wonderful. had had access to a quip, he might not have been the person that he was. And entirely British music might not have gone in the direction that it did. You know, Listen, Johnny knows it now. I do. You do. Good health starts with good habits. And quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth equip is electric toothbrush. Well, for example, 7 million mouths Love it. I'm one of them. And it has, let's all recite, it's got timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. You get that little, uh, 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 and it tells you, uh, switch to another quadrant. Lightweight, sleek design for adults and kids with no wires and bulky chargers to weigh you down. It's got a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter in your bathroom. And reusable handles and a range of sleek metal hues, including the best-selling all-black or all. All pink, as well as bright plastic colors to make sure that they they add a pop to your bathroom counter. Are you on top of your brushing? Well, you can upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor. The new smart motor, that's right. It tracks and improves your brushing with the free Quip app. You can even earn amazing rewards like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and even more. Beyond the Brush... Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Try their sugar-free refillable gum. It's got a long-lasting mint flavor, and it comes with a dispenser. Or try the refillable mouthwash that's a four-times concentrate, plus good for you, and it's good for the planet as well. Quip, uh, they deliver it all for three months every three months from $5. Every three months, from five bucks, the shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. With stylish and affordable electric brushes starting at just twenty-five dollars, you won't be paying through the teeth for better oral health. Go to getquip.com/ricochet right now. This very moment, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com/ricochet. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash ricochet the Good Habits Company. And we thank Quip for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. Well, though, these last few months, doesn't seem like that, months, no, weeks, uh, while Rob's been away, guest hosts, myself, we've all had to carry the burden of doing what Rob would usually do, which is telling you where people are going to meet yes. for real as part of the the growing real human being Ricochet community that the
0: we the IRL human community. First of all, the Texas Tribune Festival program is now live, so you can go to, on the website and see it. Um, Texas Breakout Politics and Policy Event I, Ideas Event is happening in September, so September twenty two through twenty four in Austin. For the line of big names you know and others you should, including one of our own from the Ricochet Network, thank God, Catch David Drucker. We'll interview Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, our, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, live at the TribFest stage. That's September 23rd. It's really worth going. Explore the full program. Grab tickets at TribFest.org, T-R-I-B-F-E-S-T.org. If you want to attend, use our special discount code for a one-time 15% discount off a ticket. Um, that's one of the perks of being a member. Go to tripfest.org and enter code ricochet15 in the promo code box at the bottom of the registration widget. Click apply. You will get your discount. We hope to see you there. And also, if you're a Ricochet member, it's time for meetups. You know, there's a bunch of them, so uh, it's hard to keep up with them. So you have to go on the site and member feed has them all listed. But um, we do know a few for later this month. Brian Stevens is hosting hosting one uh, this weekend, actually, in Atlanta. And Michael Collins is hoping to get the UK members together in Dublin on the 26th, which I, man, I wish I was still in Europe because I would go to that one. I'm sure uh, know, that's going to be fun. Got others coming down the pike in various stages of planning for Northern California, Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, that is a beautiful, beautiful place. And um, even New Orleans. I'll be there for that, I'm sure. None of those are close enough to you, question mark, question mark. Well, join Ricochet give us a place in time, and have the Ricochet members come to you. That is the joy of being a member of Ricochet.
3: As well as contributing, of course, in the member feed, where lots of fun stuff happens. I think Brian Stevens has got a YouTube podcast going on. He's uh, pushing that there. So, in other words, you join Ricochet, you come up with your own podcast to, to you know, take the place of ours. You can promote it on the page, because, frankly, we don't care. We just want as many people to get as many things out of the site as possible. Before we go, a uh, little note here. A judge completely in acting uh, in accordance with the most esoteric and refined. Fine concepts of idealistic interpretations of the Constitution has blocked DeSantis' Stop Woke Act, As so the floor. Uh, let's see. I think he said, uh, quote, OK, the, the Woke Act, the Stop Woke Act, by the way, said that companies cannot Make their employees go through training or, as a condition of their employment, believe or agree to or be exposed to ideas that portray one race as inferior or superior, among other things. That the act said, quote, normally after making a, a Stranger Things reference, which just made everybody on Twitter go squee because, oh, Stranger Things, normally the First Amendment bars the state from burdening speech while private actors may burden speech freely, end quote. The Obama appointed judge continued, quote, but in Florida, the First Amendment apparently bars private actors from burdening speech while the state may burden speech freely, end quote. So in other words, telling people that they can't do the CRT onboarding or uh, have them sit down for lectures like this is burdening speech. So in other words, and, and they can't make this a a a, um, a requisite of your employment. Does this mean now that states are free, the companies are free to hire Purely on racial grounds, if they wish, that they are that they, they they simply can do what they want. Doesn't this sort of invert the idea of the colorblindness that we have today?
2: It means that a district court judge got out of line, and he'll be overturned at at
0: a higher level if but it is But he's Stranger
2: Things. Yes, exactly. Okay. Come on. Yes. Yes. What yes, it means yes, is yes. that a it district means, yeah.
0: a district uh, U.S. district court judge um, has written. Ron DeSantis' most successful direct mail piece.
2: Correct. I will take this all the way to the Supreme Court for you, the people of Florida. Exactly. Well, anything else you guys would like to bring up before we leave, or are we
3: going to do one of those things? Well, where we I would just like out- to ask
2: Rob if he's going to stick around in this country long enough to justify holding an American passport, or or he, if he has more travel plans here. For- I uh,
0: I don't not for a while, but I uh, tell you, I hadn't been hadn't been on a big travel big big trip in a while, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I that is where I am actually the most happy, which is when I'm sort of tramping around. Um, mm-hmm. and I so spent a little time in Hungary, and then I went uh, to Tunisia. Spent a week in Tunisia. Which is on the heels of a of a constitutional referendum, um, which had, had, was was very interesting to talk to the Canadians about it, um, and then uh, and then then to France. Uh, so you know, I had a kind of a a little mini mini world tour around the med around hmm. the med
2: from the Daniel James. The how's the med. how is the middle of this country? Well, the heat has <sighs> abated, sanity has returned. Yes. By the way, are you the only Minnesotan, I've never heard you mention a lake house, and that would make you the only Minnesotan who doesn't have one. No, lots of us don't. Uh, A lot of people could be back in the old days.
3: You could work at the Ford plant down in Highland Park in St. Paul by the river, and you could make pretty good living and have a little house in your nice little neighborhood. You could have a little cabin. It wouldn't be a great cabin. Water would taste kind of weird, and it would have a screen door that squeaked and banged, and the dock (laughs) was a little spongy from time to time. Uh, But it was your cabin. That culture is rapidly being replaced by people from the cities having just a second home up there. So, whereas you used to have lakes that had a lot of little shacks that people could afford, that culture is going away. In favor Lake Wobegon is oh, is no more. Lake Wobegon is no more. I never was. It was a fiction of Mister Keeler's <clears throat> imagination, and we never and people really didn't realize how much he hated it in the first place. But. <laughs> Yes, the uh, the heat is abated, so we have those sort of cool premonitions of fall coming in, just in time for the state fair, which we'll have two, three, four days of unbelievable humid, blasting heat. Where actually, <laughs> the the odors of the French fries and the cotton candy uh. and the sweat and the barns and the rest of it will con- congeal into an almost palpable sense that you could scoop up and put in a cup and take I mean... home and open open up six months later to remind yourself of summer. So that's coming up at the end of the week, uh, end of next week, and I'm looking forward to it, standing on a stage with a neon fluorescent yardstick talking to people as they walk by and in utter indifference. It is a a good ego check. But uh, the the other part of it that remains unchanged is I'm sitting in an empty office, absolutely empty office, and the only one here, uh, in a building that's largely empty, it being Friday. And I'm really starting to get tired of it. I'm really starting to be depressed by the end and the death of office culture and what it means for everything. Um, what it means for downtowns all over the country, That's what it true. means for entire ways of that we've organized life. And I'm feel, I feel stupid coming to the office here. I feel like Groundhog Day, like I ought to hear, I've got you, babe, piped in, the, piped in the elevator every time I get in. I get tired of seeing everything closing down. And then I go to the store the other day, and about 60% of the people, all of whom are upscale and in their middle age, are wearing masks again. Oh, really? Cloth masks yeah. for some reason. Possibly because they read a story in the New York times about how polio is back. And so a bit ahead of that. And they strapped on. So, so I, 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 I mean, to be empty office in a masked city, again, just, it it feels like, it feels like there was this big vote on how we were going to do things going forward. And um, I didn't hear about it. I'm only, I'm only looking at the results <laughs> right. at 11 o'clock at night on television with my jaw and my sternum. And I, don't understand um, how it's ever going to go back, and I don't understand how I'm actually ever going to uh, adjust myself to it. I just don't. Right. So it's like the world fundamentally, they wanted their fund, the fundamental transformation of America that they talked about so much and with such anticipation. Well, we right. got that, and it, it, it ain't good. It's not good. And I don't know how to force it back. I mean, you can't strong arm people into saying, no, you got to commute and go back to the office again. A lot of them simply don't want to. A lot of people who are just socially anxious, don't like it, would prefer to be home with a dog. I get that. I get that. My wife's like that. But there's a, there's a downtown culture. We were told for decades that we all had to go to urban places and we all had to be dense and we all had to have the vibrant cities and the rest of it. Uh, but apparently we were willing to throw that away in a, in a trice if it meant that we could stay home in our pajamas and type away on our laptops with the expectations that people who actually got up and got out of the house would bring us our gas and our food. But I don't have any strong opinions about it, and I should probably wrap up right here unless you guys have something else.
0: Well, I just want to could compliment you. Good good use of trice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Extremely depressing Philippics. Delivered with an interesting <laughs> yeah, little, little word, like a like a little spice of core.
0: Like uh, hello, Trice. Hadn't seen you in a while. Exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, this podcast, which actually we are bringing in at a reasonable time, was brought to you by Bullen Branch and by Quip. Support them for supporting us, and your life will be better. You'll sleep better, and you'll have better-looking teeth. You won't be like Johnny Rotten. Join Ricochet today, by the way, as Rob would like you to do, as I would like you to do, as Peter, as all of the people at Ricochet us. who will participate, would love to see you there. And it's cheap, too, and it's worth it. Wait a minute, you say this costs money? Yeah, because you got you got to yeah. pay For it in order to post. That's why it's not like, you know, that's the comments every place else. Take a minute to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you wouldn't mind, the reviews allow new listeners to discover us, keeps the show going, and we will be going at least until episode 207. This concludes episode 206, and we'll see everybody in the comments at Ricochet 4.0. You mean 602,
2: don't you?
0: You mean 602, I was going to say. 206, my God. I'm sorry. Boy, I'm sorry. that was like. Um, let me say that. Let me say Obama. It. I mean, was that Obama? Me, yeah, like Obama's first that.
3: term. <laughs> okay, let me take. The, let me start. Let me do that again then. Oh, no. Let no, no. See, I think we got to keep chat. the closing chat. It's the... like, free. <laughs> oh, so my mistakes get Yeah, yo, yeah. Your for mistakes once. get enshrined for, for once. Peter last week. Peter, Peter talks about FBI oh, President but... Herbert Hoover Heaver, and he gets to go back. And <laughs> that's true. That kind of At I see who matters. Yes, well, yes. That's, I uh, see you know that's yes, Peter's. That's a, uh,
0: Peter's of a certain age.
2: Yeah, but my exactly my dementia is genuine. Yeah, therefore, exactly. it must be it must be dis, uh, hidden. Exactly. All right, boys, take care. All right, next week. Ricochet. <laughs> Join the conversation.